0: passage and you want to keep your Bible open to these verses as the message will very simply develop the text of God's Word. Colossians 3, 12 to 17, the perfect bond, beginning with verse 12. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity." And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. In these verses, Paul deals in a positive way with the demand that he, God makes for unity in the church. And in a positive way, he deals with ways in which you and I may either promote or hinder unity within the family of God. Paul encourages us that if we desire unity, that we should look to ourselves and not to others And the question I want to address to you this morning from the Scriptures is this. Is it possible for there to be genuine unity in the church as long as you personally continue to be as you are today? Is it possible for there to be unity as long as you, in your present state, are involved. Unity can begin anywhere, and it can begin with you. And so this morning, let us examine this text to see the characteristics of unity in the form of questions that are addressed to each one of us. First of all, in verses 12 and 13, are you forgiven? Are you forgiven? forgiven or do you hinder unity at this point? I did not say, are you forgiving because that's coming at this situation backwards. If God has shown forgiveness to you, it is the normal and natural thing for you to show it to others without regard to their deserving it, asking for it, or wanting it. If you do not, it is abnormal, it is unnatural, and when you don't, no matter why, you are preventing the possibility of unity within the family of God, and the sin is yours and nobody else's. Now, he uses the verb, put on these virtues, including forgiveness. This word put on is in the tense in the Greek which indicates a permanent acquisition. He's not talking about putting on a suit of clothes until it is soiled and then taking it off. He is talking about taking it on permanently so that it is a part of you from now on. Put on these things. What are they? Compassion. Compassion is that emotion which cares more for the offender than for the offense. And one who will not forget an offense is consumed with self-love so much they do not care for God or man. He says, put on compassion. He says, kindness needs no explanation. Be kind. He says, humility. Another translation might be meekness. And somehow we think that meekness is a sign of a weak individual. But meekness and humility are terms which were applied to Moses and to the Lord Jesus. The obvious picture of meekness is that of a stallion, a horse, strong enough to do anything it wants to do with the rider on its back, but bridled and under control, submitted to the authority of the rider. We're to be humble. We are told that Jesus Christ possessed humility. He had the right attitude toward Himself. Then He says gentleness. He says patience. Patience is that ability to endure wrongs without retaliation, to endure without hostility and bitterness. Our practice must match our profession. And then he goes on in verse 13 saying, bearing with one another. Bearing with one another. Now that ought to be an obvious thing to understand. Bearing with one another. You have identified a terrifically immature individual when you find someone who gets offended and enjoys it. Have you ever known anybody that wasn't happy unless they were unhappy? And I guarantee you they'll find a reason to be unhappy. I think I've told you the story before about the nice little lady who lived in a country community. Pastor would visit her from time to time and she never was happy. It was always something. Well, one particular year, everything went just right for her and her little crop of potatoes was the finest one in town. And the pastor thought, now this time I'm going to make her be happy. So he went by to see her and he was visiting with her and he just bragged on her potatoes and wanted her to know how wonderful her potatoes were and how was she going to use all those potatoes more than she could possibly need. And she said, well, pastor, I got a good crop of potatoes, but there are not any little ones left to feed the animals. bearing with one another. Then he says, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, let me tell you in plain, simple language that when you will not bear with and forgive whatever your complaint, you are ascending the throne of God and you are saying, I have the right to withhold forgiveness from you. And beloved, Jesus said... If you do not give it, you cannot receive it. Bearing with, forgiving, whatever the complaint is. Now, why? He goes on to explain it. Because God also forgave you. Now I I called this, these two verses, are you forgiven? If you know God's forgiveness, you will forgive. And when you don't forgive, it's because you are living in sin and there's a wall between you and God. When you know His forgiveness, you cannot withhold it from other people. You cannot withhold it. And in what measure are we to forgive? Just as the Lord forgave you. As a Christian, is there anything the Father will not forgive you? No. That then becomes the limit of your forgiveness. There is none. So also should you. Are you forgiven? Or do you hinder unity at this point? I think probably the greatest cause of division in whatever the unit of society from the family on up is the fact that folks blinded to the fact that they are not perfect demand the right to police everybody else. Are you forgiven? And then in verse 14, are you loving? Paul says, go beyond this, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Love is really the whole garment and the thread for all of these other things are meaningless without without it. They have no meaning. Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 named a list of wonderful things that we can do for God and said, Without love they are hollow and empty like sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. When you are filled with Jesus and His Spirit, you will love. And when you withhold love, it is because you do not have the abiding presence of the Lord within. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus being Lord anywhere that He didn't love? Well, the reason doesn't matter. The excuses don't impress God. You're either full of Jesus or you're not, and if you're not, you're full of self, which is identical with the spirit of Satan. Are you loving? When you're filled with Him, love will dominate you, and you do and you will, and when you are loving, you will not hinder unity. Verse 15, Are you peaceful? A peaceful spirit... Promotes unity. Are you peaceful? If peace does not rule in your heart, you're a hindrance to unity. If peace does not rule in your heart, and when you are not peaceful, there is no reason outside of your own spirit why you're not peaceful. Again, Like every other item of your relationship to God, when you're not peaceful, it is because your relationship to God is not right. Are you peaceful? This is our calling, he says. Let the peace of Christ allow it to rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful, be grateful for it. If you have no peace, you need to repent. If you have no peace, you need to repent. Well, I'm concerned. No, when you're worried, it's because you assume responsibility that doesn't belong to you. You see, everybody else is God's responsibility. You are your own responsibility. And when you try to assume God's responsibilities, that's sin. And if you have no peace in your heart, it's because there's something wrong between you and God. And God will never lead you to assume responsibilities that don't belong to you. See, you you cannot serve God on your own terms. You either serve Him according to His Word or you don't serve Him at all. Jesus said at the last day, many will come before me and said, Lord, we did thus and such, and all of these are very wonderful things. And Jesus said, hey, I don't even know you. You can't serve God on your own terms. If you have no peace, if you are worried, concerned, whatever name you want to tag on it, it is because you are not right with God. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. It means to reign like a king on the throne. Another use of the Greek was for the athletic games, the one who was the official on the field of competition. Be the umpire. Let the peace of Christ be the umpire in your heart. If you're right with God, you will be peaceful and you will contribute to unity. Pity the grumbler and the fault finder. They cannot know peace with themselves, with others, or with God. Verse 16, are you submissive? He says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Studying the book of Daniel chapter 10, I notice something that's very significant. In chapter 10, an angel is sent to Daniel to reveal to him prophecy, which is the Word of God, the eternal truth of God. He is sent to use Daniel as an instrument of writing Holy Scripture. And the angel Gabriel says to Daniel, I have come to you to illuminate the Scriptures. I have come to you to illuminate the Scriptures. Beloved, it is no different when somebody within the family says, God led me to do thus and such, which contradicts the Bible, than it is when some maniac out here says, God told me to kill my kids. When God guides you, He guides you through the Word. It is called the Word of God. Jesus, when He taught, taught the Scriptures. Jesus did not teach anything that was new. He took the Holy Spirit. Bible, the Old Testament, and he brought its seed truths to fullness. And you are a member of a cult if you reject any word in the Bible. Jesus said, I have not come to destroy the law and the prophets. I have come to bring them to fullness. Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 8.3, talking about the Old Testament when he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds out of the mouth of God. The only Bible that was written during the entire New Testament era was the Old Testament, and every word the New Testament says about the authority of the Bible refers to the Old Testament as well as to the New. There is only one time in the New Testament, in the book of 1 Peter, where any of the New Testament writings are even mentioned. One time. Are you submissive? You are living in rebellion against God. If you try to let something within your spirit, which is an unholy spirit, lead you while you deny the Word of God, Our guidance is always rooted in the Word. He says, let it dwell richly within you. This word dwell is the word to abide permanently. It's the word the Greeks would have used to talk about someone who dwells in a house. He says, let your heart and soul and body be the house that the Word of God dwells in. Isn't that beautiful? You be the place where the Word of God dwells. Then he goes on to say, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing. We want neither teaching nor admonishing. We just want something that makes us feel good. One another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. It is the Word of God which imparts the wisdom of God to us by which we teach and admonish and upon which our music must be based. By the way, Christianity is a singing faith. Christianity is a singing faith. And ability doesn't matter. And if you don't love the songs of the faith and if you don't like to sing, I don't want to press this too far, but it's an obvious truth of the Scriptures. That's a command. Do it. Verse 16. If you don't love the songs of the faith and if you don't like to sing whether you can carry a tune with a bucket or not, then there's just something a little wrong with your love relationship to the Father. There's just something missing there. Do you know anybody that's really full of Jesus? Jesus? that doesn't have some music in their soul, some desire to praise the Lord like these things say. A thankful heart produces song. We must let the Word be our banner and our standard. We are to receive it, believe it, appropriate it, and act on it every day. And then in verse 17, a kind of a summary to the passage. Are you wholehearted? Are you wholehearted? He says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Everything spoken of here in these verses, as well as everything we are to do, is to be done in the name of Jesus. Now, beloved, that doesn't mean that you carry those words, the name of Jesus, on your lips like they used to carry a cross to keep away a vampire. When the Bible talks about somebody's name, it talks about a total revelation of what they are all the way down deep. And when you take the name of Jesus... You can do no greater sin than to blame your carnal will and what you think ought to be done on God. You can't do anything any worse than that because when you take the name of Jesus, it indicates that you are acting in the place of Jesus, for the purposes of Jesus, according to the desires of Jesus. And anything less than that is sin. Now, the Bible is not a book of situations. It is a book of principles. But the principles apply to every situation. Can there be unity the way you are now? If so, praise the Lord. If not... Are you forgiven and thus forgiving? Are you loved and thus loving? Are you peaceful and thus peacemaking? Are you submitted to the Word, which is to be submitted to Jesus? Are you wholehearted? It can begin with you. For a beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. May we pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the truth of your word, and I pray that each one of us will find forgiveness when because of pride, which is the mother of sin, We blame our willful rebellion on you. And Lord, it is a fearful and awful thing to take the name of Jesus and use it wrongly. And so I pray forgiveness and cleansing even for that great sin for all of us. Now, Father, you know our hearts, you know our needs. It is my prayer in that name of Jesus that there would not be within any heart a barrier that will not fall between any individual and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Father, teach us that we are most like you when we endure wrong and return love. And Father, teach us that everything we possess put together would not begin to pay you back for what you've done for us. May we find in you all of those things that you want us to show to others. And may we put them into practice today. Do with us as you please. I claim it in the name of Jesus who gave all that he had for us. Amen.